0: Well, hey, thank you guys so much for being here. If we haven't met before, my name is Jean-Michel, I'm one of the associate pastors here, and I'm just wanting to thank our senior pastors for giving me a moment just to share. As everybody knows, we are in the series, The Powerful Church, and uh, we're gonna build on that today. And uh, we're talking about God empowering his people. We're talking about God empowering you because we have been built, the church of God, to live a life that changes the world around us, that changes the atmosphere around us. And we're praying that this series will inspire you to see yourself as the powerful church. And so we're gonna talk about uh, a message from the book of Luke. And I'm gonna read this scripture to you and we're gonna get into it. So we're reading from Luke chapter seven and starting from verse six. It says this, then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you today that you are speaking a word into our church, that you are speaking something powerful into our hearts. And we pray today that you will speak the word of the Lord. Come and open us up, make us ready for what you are about to say. We say, have your way in us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. Amen. Awesome. Today, our sermon title is, Say the Word. Everybody say, Say the Word. All right. Awesome. So I'm going to kick today off by telling you a little bit about a weird moment in my life. Check this out. When I was about 22 years old, I had just started working I was a brand new, straight out of university guy. And I kind of still had that student way about me. And I remember I had, uh, for those of you who know, I don't know, Standard Bank accounts, I had a student achiever account. I don't know if they still exist. It doesn't really matter, but it was basically your stock standard basic account with Standard Bank. And I felt, you know what? I am now a working man. I need a working man's account, or it's not right. So I went to go and open because, check this out, I had seen uh, a message pop up to me that said, you qualify for elite banking. Now, it comes with a gold card and all these cool perks like paying more money for nothing and things like that, but I wanted to be an elite banker because I qualified for it. So I took myself to the bank, I went in, I walked in with my all-stars. Actually, not much has changed. Long hair, all-stars. I went to the bank. And at that time, the branch where I was, the, the place where you would open accounts was upstairs. And I'd never been there before. I'd only ever been to the teller section at the bottom level. So now I'm feeling cool already because I'm going up where all the real like business people are. And I'm going to open a new account. So I get there. I've got all my documents with me. I'm ready. And I sit down and I say to the man, I would like to open an elite banking account. Now, I was real excited. And in that moment, I remember clearly the way that this guy looked at me was like, you want to open an elite banking account. Okay. And what he said was, do you qualify for that account? And I thought to myself, how dare you? I make exactly 23 rand more than what is required to open this elite banking account. And I said, yes, I do. I qualify for elite banking. And I showed him my payslip and he looked at it. And I remember just knowing inside, in that moment, this guy was like, we need to raise the standard for what elite banking (laughs) looks like. But you know what? He opened my elite banking account. And I'm proud to say I still use the elite banking account to this day. That's my big man account. Come on. And there's nothing special about it. But it's got a gold card. So hey, we're very happy about that. This guy didn't believe that I could qualify for this account. And I want to ask you, have you ever felt like you don't qualify for something? Have you ever misjudged or judged yourself to say, you know what, I don't think I actually qualify for this. And one of the areas that we as the church always feel like we don't qualify for is the area of the supernatural flowing through us. And it's true, it's going to get real now. How do you feel about yourself? Do you feel like you are the powerful church? Or do you feel like maybe if I was just that one step higher, if I was just that little bit closer to God, then I would qualify to be the one that he moves through? In the moment in that bank, I knew that I qualified. But when that guy kind of looked at me the way he did, immediately I started to question myself, second guess myself, do I qualify Should I be doing this? Should I actually be doing this? And how many of you have had that experience when maybe you've prayed for someone or you've felt to pray for someone and all those thoughts start coming in. Yeah, okay, but the pastors pray for people. Who are you? Who are you to pray for someone? Who are you to believe God for breakthrough in your life or even worse, to believe for breakthrough in someone else's life? Those thoughts come and they make you feel like you don't qualify, And in the story that we read in our opening scripture, we're talking about a centurion, right? Let me give you a little context for what we just read. There was a man in Israel, in Jesus' time, and he was a centurion, a captain in the Roman army. He was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. And he had a servant, or some translations say a son, in his house that he loved dearly, that was direly sick and needed help. And he had heard about this man called Jesus who heals people. He hadn't just heard about him. He believed in this man who heals. And he called. But he had already judged in his own heart. Because he was a Gentile, that disqualified him from being, from being able to ask for Jesus to come and heal his servant. And so actually in this story in Luke, he sends some, some uh, Jewish elders, some respectable men to go and plead his case for him. How many of you realize he had already disqualified himself in his heart? But we're gonna read that story again and we're gonna understand it and unpack it because he had a revelation that no one else in Israel had and it's a really powerful thing. But I want you to see something. He chose in that moment to disqualify himself. The voices came into his head that said, I'm not a Jew, I'm not one of the chosen ones and so I'm not worthy to have this man come under my roof. And right now, have you judged yourself to say I'm not good enough to have Holy Spirit come under my roof, in my heart and move in power through me? We're gonna start a little bit with the history of the story. This story that's found in the book of Luke is one of those stories that you can find in other Gospels. So if you're new to church or if, if you don't know the Bible so well, uh, the first four books of the New Testament are what we call Gospels. It's the good news. It's a story of Jesus' life. And you would imagine, just as I did growing up, that all four of them, I wondered, why do we need four books of Jesus' life? Don't they all say the same thing? But they don't. They all tell different parts of Jesus' life. And some of them overlap and some of them don't. But when you read all four, you get a broad and beautiful picture of who Jesus was. This particular story appears in two books. And there's a powerful line that's, uh, that's found in Luke 7, verse 7. And interestingly enough, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. It's very funny. I don't know if God's doing something coinky-dinky there, but it's kind of cool. 7 verse 7, 8 verse 8, right? And it's these words, right? The centurion says these same words in these two passages. The story is slightly different, but mostly the same, actually remarkably the same. He says this, but say the word and my servant will be healed. And i thought about this. What does that sentence mean? We read it in our English translation and it makes sense, right? Say the word. It's a, simple, um, it's a simple sentence. Say the word. Jesus, if you say the word, it will come to pass. But I wanna let you know right now, we're about to open this up and unpack it a little bit. It is so profound what Jesus says. You see, if you've been in church a little while, you may have heard this story. Because what Jesus goes on to say is remarkable about this centurion. And I want you to see it in verse nine. Luke chapter seven, verse nine says this. When Jesus heard these things, heard what the centurion was saying, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house, check this out, found the servant well who had been sick. Now we're going to get to a very specific part of this. And if you've been in church a while, you know the story. You see, the centurion was a man who understood authority. He understood what it meant to have people follow his orders, and he understood what it meant for orders to come to him that he needed to follow and he saw Jesus in a very unique way. Instead of seeing Jesus as the carpenter, instead of seeing Jesus as the one who, was, who grew up with everybody, instead of seeing Jesus as the crazy religious dude doing weird things, what he saw was a man with military authority. That's what he saw in Jesus. And when he realized that, that I believe Holy Spirit revealed to him that Jesus had authority That's what allowed him to ask for Jesus to say the word. Let's read it for a second. This is Luke chapter seven, verse eight. The centurion has come and he has said, please don't come into my house. I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. But verse eight says this, for I also am a man placed under authority, means I understand authority, having soldiers under me, And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, verse 9, he marveled at him and turned around to the crowd that followed him and said, I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in all Israel. If you read the story in the book of Matthew, he actually says to the crowd that many of the chosen people of God have so little faith that they won't even enter into the kingdom of God, but that from the east and from the west, many multitudes of Gentiles will come in and believe. Why do the Gentiles have an easier way of believing in this story? Because they can see Jesus, not for the carpenter, not for the Israelite, not for the Jewish man under the law, but for the military commander that he is, the commander of angel armies, the one who says, healing go, and it goes. The one that says, breakthrough go, and it goes. That is who Jesus is, and that's who he is in your life. And if we can recognize Jesus as that, we can already take steps into who he's called us to be. But it doesn't end there. You see, we understand this idea of authority. If you've been in church at all, you've heard many preachers about this specific story, talking about Jesus' authority and the recognition that this, that this centurion had. But I want you to see something powerful in this moment, and it's really specific to the moment that we live in right now. COVID has caused us us all to isolate, to separate. Maybe you haven't seen family for a while. Maybe you're not going to work. Maybe you're working from home. And we're talking about the powerful church, about breakthrough and ministry and things that you can do to touch other people. How can you do that if you're in your home? How can you do that if you're not at church? How can you do that if you're isolated at home? But check this out. When Jesus talks about great faith, He's quoting someone who says, you don't even need to come to my house. You don't need to lay hands. You don't need to do anything in my presence. Just say the word and it will happen. This is hugely powerful for this time right now because whatever you are facing, whatever breakthrough you might be needing right now, it's not that you need a pastor or a person to come and lay hands on your situation. Say the word and it will happen because that's the God that we serve. And we understand this authority. But I want you to see also that Jesus takes the authority that's given to him and he gives it to you. See, in the Great Commission, Jesus is standing with his disciples and he's about to go to heaven and release the Holy Spirit onto earth. But he's gonna go. And he says this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, teaching them to follow in my footsteps. Now, this is a commissioning. It's Jesus taking the authority given to him and giving it to his disciples. And we are the next generation of those disciples. Each generation from the apostles through all the ages, 2,000 years later, you and I are disciples followers of Jesus. We're following in his footsteps. And that same authority that Jesus has, you have. Now, if Jesus could say the word, it means you can say the word and it will happen. Now, what hit me about this story was, say the word. What does that mean? When Jesus says, say the word, what what, a, what does it mean, say the word? Or when the centurion rather says, say the word. I looked it up. I looked it up in the original Greek to try and get a little bit of a deeper understanding. And we're gonna go deep into this thing now, right? And so when you find the, the statement says, say the word, right? The first word is say. If you go into the original Greek, something profound happens. The word say in the original Greek means Say just means speak. That's all it means. Speak. Okay. So that's not that profound. What does the word the word mean? This is where it gets cool. The word used in this case in Luke is a Greek word called lego. Lego. And it comes from the root word logos. If you've heard the word logos, it's a word spoken, right? The spoken word. And that's why it gets translated, say, the word. It's a spoken word. But what is powerful about the word lego is this. What it really means, what its root word means, is to put the matter to rest. So when he says, say the word, when he says lego the word, he is saying, put the matter to rest close the case. It means nothing more will be said. Nothing more will be said about it. And what does he say next? He says, if I say to the man go, he goes. And if I say to the man come, he comes. So when you say healed, healing goes. That's it. There's no question and there's no more words to come. When Jesus says the word, he puts the matter to rest. There's no more to be said. There's nothing else we can say. Nothing we can add. It is done and done. So when we're talking of Jesus authority that flows through us when we say the word the matter is put to rest. The case is closed. No one can add to it. No one can subtract it. It's done and done. Now think about that word rest. Put it to rest. What does it mean? It means peace in your situation. It means closure. To your situation. It means it's settled. It's very important for us to get this. You see, we think sometimes about breakthrough and praying for people as a battle, like we're coming in our armor with our swords and our shields, and we're about to beat down all these demons and all the demons of infirmity and sickness and death. We're going to take them down and destroy them. But in this moment, the centurion just simply says, put the matter to rest. Put the matter at peace. And you'll see this in Jesus' ministry. He doesn't fight demons. He just simply commands them and they obey. You'll see it in the lives of the apostles. When they pray for the sick, they immediately are made well. And it's the same for our lives. When we are speaking the words of healing, when we are saying the words of of healing over our situation, breakthrough over finances, freedom from depression, freedom from sickness. We are not fighting, we are not battling, we are not struggling. We are resting in the finished power of Jesus Christ. It's all authority that is given to him. And when the matter is put to rest, the idea, the picture you must see is putting a child to bed. You imagine that a child who has woken from their sleep, from a nightmare, and is at complete unrest, when the father and the mother come and they comfort the child and they put the child back to sleep, that child feels comfort and peace that everything is going to be okay. When we talk about this rest that Jesus puts us into, that is the picture in our minds, Now, how does this relate back to us? It relates in this way, that you and I are tasked with making disciples, flowing in the supernatural power of God. And it's not meant to be a struggle. It's meant to be a rest. It's not meant to be something you have to fight for. It's something that when you stand in the authority that Jesus has given you, you simply say the word and it comes to pass. Now I have one more question for you. Why did the centurion feel so unworthy? I've often asked this question. You know, Jesus says to everybody that he is the mo- he has the most faith out of anyone in even Israel. That means all his disciples. That means every person he healed. It means every person that turned and followed him. Out of all of them, he names this centurion as the one with the most faith. Why does he do that? Why does he say that this man, is it because he's so humble, right? I've often asked that question. He says, no, 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 Jesus, I am not worthy to have you under my roof. Is that why Jesus says he is, has the most faith? No, it's because he recognizes his authority. That's why he says he is the, has the most faith. But then why do they add that into the story? I want you to recognize that any time, any writer of the Bible, this is the inspired word of God. No part of this is to be looked over. No part of this is just to be read past. There's a reason why God decided to leave that part in the story of showing him be so humble. I don't think that This centurion was showing humility. In fact, I don't think this centurion was an extremely humble man. If you can imagine, the Roman army was the most powerful army in the whole world, and he was a centurion, a high-ranking officer. He knew who he was. He was strong. He wasn't quiet and humble and pious. He wasn't that guy. He was a strong and powerful guy. So what's going on here? I want you to see something and it's really important for us to understand as we're talking about the powerful church. In the old covenant, healing came with terms and conditions. If you were not a certain way, if you were not a certain type of person, if you didn't offer the right kinds of sacrifices, if you didn't follow God in a certain kind of way, these kinds of blessings were not available to you. You can see it in the story with, where Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman who is looking for healing and she says, heal me. And Jesus says, you are not of my people. My father didn't send me to come to to your kind. He sent me to come to the chosen people, the Jewish people. He was testing her in that moment. And she says, well, actually, Jesus, he goes pretty far. He calls her a dog. He says, should I give the food that's meant for the children to the dogs? And she says this. She comes back and says, yeah, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from the table Jesus again says, your faith, your belief, your faith in me has made you whole. What is he doing? Was he in that moment trying to push her down? Not at all. He was trying to demonstrate that in the new covenant, healing is not something you have to earn. It's something given and bought for a great price by Jesus Christ. See, when he went onto that cross, The word says by his stripes we were healed. We are healed and we will be healed by his stripes, not by our stripes. You see, this centurion was still operating under the assumption that he did not qualify because Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. He had not yet poured his blood out for all the Gentiles, for everyone to come to him. And why is this important? Because you and me, right now, we don't qualify. I come all the way back to the beginning. When I didn't qualify or I felt like I didn't qualify for that bank account, the reality was I did qualify. No matter what that guy said, no matter how he looked at me, I qualified for that bank account. And right now the enemy is trying to bring an old covenant understanding to you to say that because you are not perfect, because you do not worship God in the perfect way, because you have not earned His healing, it's not for you and it can't flow through you because you gotta be better. You gotta be closer to God. You gotta spend more time in the Bible. You gotta fast more. You gotta pray more. All of these things, they're good. They're amazing. They bring us closer to God but they do not earn His healing and His power in your life because that was bought by Jesus and given to you as a free gift. Why did God leave this moment in where the centurion shows how humble he is because he wanted to show you that his humbleness would never bring the power of God to him never what brought the power faith in the authority that Jesus bought and the same thing is here for you right now what am I trying to do I'm trying to show you that you are qualified to carry the anointing of Jesus that because he bought it and he gives it to you, means that no one, no preacher, no demon, no devil can take your authority away from you. All they can try to do is cause you to think like that centurion. I'm not worthy for the Holy Spirit to come into my house. I'm not worthy to be a minister of the gospel of grace. But I'm here to tell you today that you qualify, you were made whole, you are full of his presence, you are full of his spirit, and by the authority of Jesus Christ, you minister his life everywhere that you go. We're talking about the powerful church here. We're talking about how you can flow in God's power. It's time for you to say the word. Not because you earned the word, not because you deserve the power, because you are the most humble or the most spiritual or the closest to God. No, you say the word because Jesus is alive in you because Holy Spirit has filled you from your bones to the outside and he's given you the power to say the word. You are healed. You are free. You are delivered. Breakthrough is yours. He's given you the power. All authority was given to him and now it is yours. And this is what you need to start to do in your life. You need to start saying the word. The enemy is trying to get you to close your mouth, to be humble and quiet in the background, to let the pastors and the preachers and the the special people go and do the work of ministry. But the word says that pastors and evangelists and prophets and teachers and apostles were given for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. God always called you to go out and touch people. God always called you to be a carrier of his anointing, to be the one that would touch and change the world. And it's the enemy that's telling you that you're not good enough, that you don't qualify. You've got that bank teller sitting at you, looking at you funny, saying, if you pray, what's gonna happen? Nothing's gonna happen because you're not good enough. But today I'm here to tell you, That even though you and I were not good enough, we're not qualified by what we do, we're qualified by what Jesus bought on the cross. That power is yours because He gives it to you. You see, that centurion recognized that Jesus had the authority. But do you recognize that you have the authority? Did you hear me today? I want you to say the words, I have the authority. Come on, I have the authority. Me, I have it. Not because I earned it, not because I deserve it, but Jesus gave it to me. And anything Jesus gives to you, no one can take it away. No one can take it away. And so I'm hoping today that you will hear this message, that you will hear who you are called to be, that you will hear the word spoken to you that you are powerful and that you are filled with God's presence, that you are qualified by Jesus to be a minister of his power. It's in you and it will flow through you if you let him say the word through you. The authority is yours today. And so I wanna pray for a moment. Wherever you are, if you're watching from home, if you're at one of the campuses all around this place, let's just close our eyes. And for a minute, let's get alone with Jesus Christ. I'm speaking to you today. If you've ever thought the words, I'm not good enough to do this. If you've ever been scared of praying for someone who's sick, if you've ever been scared that nothing's gonna happen, or if you've ever been scared that you're not good enough, leave it to someone else. Let someone else who's better than me do it. If you've ever thought those thoughts, today I'm here to pray and speak to you. Because God has anointed you. God has given you that life. And we're gonna to pray together. So all around this place, if that's you, just open your heart right now. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, this centurion understood that Jesus had authority, but he couldn't yet see that Jesus was gonna qualify him just as much as he was gonna qualify the people of God, the chosen ones. And today I'm saying to Everyone listening to the sound of my voice, that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are qualified by his gift. You are made to qualify for his outpouring, you are made to qualify for his spirit, for his power. And so I break off any thought that says I'm not good enough. I break off any thought that says I need to earn it. I break off any thought that says someone better than me should be doing this. And I replace it with the thought that I am enough. I have the power of God. I have his authority. I have his life. I have his Holy Spirit inside of me. And right now, wherever you're sitting, whatever you're doing, begin to pray this prayer. Father, I have authority because you give me authority. One more time, pray it. I have authority because you give me authority. And so Father, I pray for every person That, Lord, they would be inspired to go out and minister, to go out and pray for the sick, to go out and give words of knowledge, to go out and change the spiritual atmosphere wherever they go. I pray, Father, that you outpour your life on them. I pray, Father, that you outpour your peace on them, that you give them boldness, that you give us courage, that you'll make us ready to be that powerful church that's going to change this world, that's going to change the life that's happening here in South Africa, in our families, in our homes, Father God. Inspire us, fill us with your life right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Here's what you need to listen to and take from this message. The power of God's word in his mouth is as powerful as the word of God in your mouth. It's his word flowing through you and when Jesus says the word, it closes the case. It puts the matter to rest. In your life, when he speaks finance, it is at peace. Finances will align with his word. When he speaks healing, it is at peace. Healing will follow his word. When he says breakthrough, it is settled. Breakthrough will follow his word. And so today, begin to speak into your situations. Begin to say the word into your situations and see the hand of God move in your life and in other people's life. Amen.